I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Today on the show, we're basically... Uh, panel of psychologists and we're talking about <laughs> just for today the psychology of investing we've got jody fitzgerald from morningstar investment management how are you going today jody I'm good thank you hello jody hey so jody did an episode with me a couple of months ago about ethical investing and i wanted to get back on the full show so we can deep dive spend an hour or so and go narrow and deep into behaviors, why we do things with our money, blah, 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 and to try and get some free counseling for John. Correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Jody, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So, uh, I work for Morningstar Investment Management. I am a portfolio manager, basically. My title is Head of Institutional Portfolio Management. What that means is that I invest money for on behalf of our clients. Uh, Morningstar globally, uh, we have very different businesses. We have ratings businesses, data businesses. I work in the asset management part. Um, globally, we manage $281 billion on behalf of clients, which includes you know, pension funds, individuals, advisors, etc. Sweet. It's a reasonable amount, isn't it? It's a fair chunk. Mm. And that's Probably half of your net worth, John. <laughs> yeah, close. So <laughs> we're in we're in John's private uh, investor's office right now, <laughs> on the way to the jet. <laughs> yes, exactly. How how is that? Just quickly, how is that two two hundred eighty one billion spread across? Like, how, how many advisors would that be? Or is that just too hard a question? That's probably too hard a question yeah. to be honest, off the top of my head. <laughs> but that's all the money that that's money we have globally, and it comes yeah. in from various different sources. Is there a head office in New York? Chicago. Chicago. Cool. So, let's get right into this. Are you excited, John? Oh, look, I'm excited. I love emotions and behaviours, so I'm, I'm really into this. I've got no emotion and poor behaviour, so this is going to be <laughs> a good lesson for me. <laughs> You're listening to My Millennial Money. If you're feeling generous and you want to rate the podcast, make sure you rate us either a one or a five, because apparently no one knows that two, three, and four exist. Straight to the point. What is behavioral finance? Sure. Let me uh, walk you through what it is by sort of explaining, I guess, how I first discovered it. So I have an economics and a finance degree. Um, And at uni, I was taught a bunch of models on how you determine what something's worth. How do I determine what price I should pay for a stock or for any other investment? 
And that was all pretty logical to me because it was maths, right? Two plus two always equals four, Mm. right? I get that. So I left uni and I went into the real world and I went armed with my knowledge of maths and what numbers I needed to add up and I opened up my spready and away we go. But it became really apparent to me very, very quickly that there was something else going on. And what that something else was, was emotions and that the markets are actually full of emotions. Last time I looked, most investors were humans um, and humans are subject to a whole series of emotional overrides and cognitive biases that influences the way that we actually make decisions. So when I was at uni, one of the really big assumptions in most of the models uh, surrounding how we value something is that investors are rational, that we make the best decision possible with all of the information that's at hand. Now, Basically, a few decades ago, a bunch of psychologists peered over the fence into the world of economics and just sort of politely pointed out, well, that's just rubbish. People aren't rational. They behave in irrational ways all the time because of these emotional overrides and these biases that we're actually subject to. Um, And these biases, they happen in everyday life. They're not just about investing from, you know, when you go shopping when you're hungry and you buy way too much food or that impulsive buy at the checkout to why you can't stick to a diet or a savings plan. However, when you're talking about investing, emotions are heightened because you're talking about money, okay? So these biases actually come through a lot more strongly in an investing sense than they do in an everyday life sense. And money's a big deal because you've actually swapped a part of you or your time for yes. that money. Mm. Yeah. But people probably don't appreciate the fact that they have swapped their time for, That's for right. that money, do they? Like, no. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I love this stuff. Yeah, and you, you actually – it's. and if I could ask a question, we see these people all the time. They've got all the money in the world – and they don't spend it, they just accrue it. A lot of the time that personality doesn't want to pay to get advice, they just want yeah. to get... And it's probably just a more a behaviour thing from a very young age or something, but um, I don't know where I'm going with it, but it just yeah, dictates every part yeah. of our life yeah, and how we see the world. Um, we experience the world and the world might not actually be that way. And we may get into this or not, but my uneducated look at this is... Social media is actually making it worse. Yes, because yep. of uh, its fear of missing out and seeing this person do this. And whereas twenty years ago, we wouldn't have been hearing or seeing about that as much. Would that be correct? Oh, definitely. And that that comes into the concept of herding behaviour, mm. um, which we can sort of spend some time exploring yeah. as well. Mm. Sweet. Yeah. So, in your kind of world, and I know this from listening to a seminar that you were running the other day, you talked about biases. Yep. What are some biases that are out there, I guess, and how would they apply to every person listening right now, whether they're driving their car, on a farm, in an office, going to bed at night, we're all humans, we've all got biases. How do we, like, what are these biases? Sure. Do you want to play a game with me? Yeah. You both look nervous. (laughs) Yeah, I love love it. Let's do it. I love it. All right. So, hopefully this works. Um, Let's see. Can people play at home? You can play at home. (laughs) Play at home, people. All right. Now, I would like you to say the word silk ten times fast. Okay. Silk, 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 silk. What do cows drink? Milk. Really? No. Water. 
Sucker. <laughs> hey, but to be fair, you didn't answer. You waited for him to yeah. go wrong. Oh, oh, he he oh, no, no. No, I was thinking. But he didn't no. follow the herd. He, well, well, but he didn't also follow the question. Yeah. Do it fast. No. And I only did this a, about two weeks ago with my kids. Yeah. Actually, and he still got caught tripped up. <laughs> it was a different one, different example, but same. Oh, same I'll, I'll edit in a little space so people can guess in their mind or something. Yeah. Um, so, but basically, what that shows you, right? So, the biases aren't about how smart or dumb you are, right? <laughs> and Johnny's a dummy, clearly. <laughs> we we all have them, right? And what it basically is is it's the way our brain processes information, and what's happening around us right before we make a decision, or the information and the way that information is actually presented to us, changes the way we make decisions, which, you know can be fine in everyday life but when it comes to investing things that alter the way we make decisions can lead to poor choices one of the um a famous quote actually sir ben graham who's one of the uh, you know the four founding fathers of invest uh, value investing he actually says that the chief the investor's chief problem and worst enemy is likely to be themselves yeah wow and I don't want to ex- um, I don't want to hold this conversation up, but you mentioned value investing. Just for the people who might not know what that means, what is value investing? The uh, quick answer is: I'm trying to buy a dollar's worth of assets for fifty cents. Perfect. Trying to get a bargain. Trying to get a bargain. Get a discount. Yeah. Yeah. I know something's worth more than what I can buy it for. And just yeah. on that, conversely, what's one other style to counter that? Another style a, would be growth style. Sure. Okay, so that is that the value of that asset today is a dollar. But I know because of, you know, the um, industry that it operates in, et cetera, it's potential to grow that value from a dollar to a dollar twenty. Mm. Okay, sweet. So when companies go, Oh, we're prim and proper and value investors, we're bargain hunters. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, okay, so why do we behave in this way? Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's some really great research in this. And, you know, if anybody wants to get their inner nerd on, you can um, have a look at a book called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. I've heard of this book. It's, you know, if you, go to, if you go through airports regularly or any sort of major bookstore, it will be sitting there amongst the yes, top reads. And that's where I saw it. It really will. Yes. Adelaide Airport last yep. week. Yeah. You'll see it there. It's, it's, it's in the it's, – uh, it's a very popular book. And yep. it kind of delves into this concept of, you know, why we make decisions the way that we do. So basically what it's saying is that, you know, behavioural biases exist because our mind uses shortcuts – because we don't want to spend a lot of time and energy on every decision that we actually make. We wouldn't survive as a species if we did, right? So this book talks about the fact that there's two systems. There's system one, which is the fast thinking system. So this is the automatic system. It's the impulsive one. Um, it's we think without any effort. So, for example, if I say to you what's two plus two, you'll automatically say four. Whereas you ask a child who's got less world experience and less experience with numbers, they'll sit there and they'll count on their fingers. So I can see, you know, Glenn's counting on his fingers. Uh, you're a guest on this podcast. <laughs> I liked your idea already. And you would get along. Yeah. <laughs> so um, can I just say, or, or butt in there, yeah. um, do you look at the gender and how different it is between male and female or is it um, is it? Um, genetic. <laughs> Everyone's going to have different biases and whether it's male or female, probably it, biases exist because of your experience. Mm. And, and that's what I was touching on at the start. Like you may have grown up in a family that was on welfare yep. and you did not have two cents to scratch together and you've developed this 
mindset behavior of I must keep every cent because it's scarce. Yep, exactly. Now, a lot of time those, um, you know, the way we survive and evolve as a species is by by using these shortcuts. So, for example, um, if, you know, a lion's chasing you, you don't sit there and think about what's the direct course of action I should be doing here. I'm going to come up with a plan. I'm going to run down. You just run, right? So, this fast-thinking brain is actually very useful in everyday life. Mm. However, it's not so useful when you're looking at more complex problems. And that's where system two kicks in. So system two is the deliberate, the slow thinker. And this is the part of your brain that you use when you're trying to develop a plan for savings or you know, plan out anything that's, that requires a little bit more thought than what system one can actually do. Um, so but, Glenn applied system two to the cow. Yes, so, yes, because yeah. he paused yeah. and started thinking. And this is what we want to do with investing, right? Yeah, is that we you know. like that, Johnny? <laughs> That's <laughs> first, teacher's pet over here. It's the first time you've applied system two in <laughs> That's general true. life, actually. That's true. <laughs> no, no, but, but just on that, like, so you talked about the path of least resistance, right? I was having an episode the other day, not, not, like, <laughs> not like a breakdown, where's this, where's this but going? I, I think people would have maybe heard this on the podcast, Um in every area of our life. No, I was doing a podcast with somebody else talking about friction in business. So, if you run a small business, make your process frictionless because your customers want the least, mm. the path of least resistance. Yeah. Okay. So, we experience this, whether it's um, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm going home late, Macca's drive through, or do I go home and chop up veggies and make yeah. a stir fry? Yeah. So, I don't know what I'm saying, but... <laughs> what you're saying is, from what I understand, with our investing, it's not just a problem with our investing, it's a human trait. It but is. By the way, it applies to our investing. It absolutely is. So, system two. Can you believe they gave me a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a, where's the element of lazy kick in there? Well, that's system one, right? You're not, you're not organizing, you, you're just going straight to the known or what mm. you think the known is. Okay. Yeah, so when you answered milk, mm. you just went, oh, I've just said it, done. Yeah. Silk milk. So I was lazy, yeah. Yeah. Well, not lazy. It's just that you haven't engaged system two. Yeah. You've let system one rule the roost. Yeah. Which and a that's measured what... individual like myself <laughs> operates in, John. <laughs> I, I thought I was on sale of century and I had to answer it first. Well, you listen to the instructions. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, okay, system two. So system two. So that's what we want to apply when we're thinking about investing, right? We want to be rational. We want to have sort of really measured judgment decisions that we're making. However... The problem is we come up with these, you know, fabulous uh, models that I've learned at uni and what else on how we should actually determine what something should be valued at. But then system one kicks in and tries to confuse us because I've seen something else that was similar once before and this is how it worked or Mm. but everybody else is doing it. I'm going to miss out if I don't invest in this. Sounds like Bitcoin all over again. What's the new Facebook one? Uh, Uh, Libra? No. Libra. Libra. Libra, yeah, yeah. Which, if I relate it back to the property market, it's it's the boom. That's how a boom is created in the property yeah. world. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And by nature, Morningstar is known and the world that you operate in as a contrarian investor. Yes. 
So we're a contrarian investor and what that means is that um, – so we're a value contrarian investor. So we're trying to buy fifty cents worth uh, dollars worth of assets for $0.50. Cents. To do that though, sometimes we have to buy things that everybody else is saying, well, that's a dog of an investment. Mm. Because if people didn't think it was a dog of an investment, it wouldn't Everyone have been bidded down to that's 50 right. cents, right? Mm. So actually to be – and this is why we spend a lot of time thinking about behaviour because to, to be the person who steps into the market, picks up that asset for 50 cents, you've got to be psychologically resilient mm. and you've got to understand how your own behaviour – can get in the way of that good decision. You, we all know buying a dollar's worth of assets for 50 cents is a good decision. But we don't necessarily always do it because some sort of fear or some sort of bias in our mind tells us it's the wrong decision. Mm. Based off maybe the opinions of others, which might not be true anyway. Exactly. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like a, a 50 cent investment... The the first thought is well, is it going to blow out to be nothing? Yeah. Right. Versus buying something that's worth ten dollars maybe has a bit more stability in in people's minds. In pe- it's all in people's minds. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, and these and the way that we sort of think about this extends into sort of general life advice around money. It's not just about investing; it's yeah. about every aspect of of finance and the way that we interact with our own money. So. I just wrote a question down. So we talked about, you know, the markets are controlled by humans. We know that there are big wealth managers who have their own algorithms to say, if this asset here hits this amount, buy. Or if they've got an algorithm that makes something a a must buy. Number one, you could say that, well, computers run the market, but is it still behind that? There's been a human who is setting the parameters exactly. for that algorithm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So there's, there definitely is um, computer-based trading. And that's why, I guess, those investment houses, those algorithms are pretty much their IP anyway. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they are going to try to play on some of the biases that exist. Um, but herding behaviour in the market turns. And when it turns, those algorithms that are trying to benefit from that herding – you know, they break down. Yeah. So there's points in the market where they break down. Right, right. Yeah, and, and um, betting agencies are a good example of that, aren't oh, they? Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. They've, it's just flooded the market of sports at the moment, isn't it? That's taking over mm. and that uh, it is hurting, isn't it? Because I want to potentially put money on my own team. Mm. Um, mm. I'm, I'm following the... Yeah. So we'll get... I guess in part two of the episode, we'll talk about how we can overcome these things. But I want to ask, like, why is it important to invest money to generate wealth? And even, I guess, before you answer that, for some people who are listening, you might not know some basics like compound interest. Yeah. So maybe let's start on the compound interest thing because on the Gen Z Money podcast that I've just launched, can I advertise my own podcast on this podcast? Just threw that in there. Yeah. yeah so too it's, late now, right? It's mm. for under 23s, year old, late teens, 23s. I talked about compound interest to a uh, 17-year-old on the show. Yep. So if you're not aware about that, how can you explain compounding interest Yeah. in okay. a, probably a more dignified way than I did? 
Well, you know, so I'll tell you a story. So there's a famous legend. It, it, it really gets to the heart of explaining compound interest. Um, and it's, it has, uh, it's, it, there's different versions of the story, but basically it's about how chess came about. So in, in India, this pauper invented the game of chess. I didn't know that. Well, it's a legend, so. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> like I am right here. Legend. Legend status. <laughs> but when he showed the emperor the game, the emperor was really impressed with the game and said to the pauper, name your prize, name your reward. And the pauper said, well, my reward is very simple. I have just one wish. He got the chessboard and he put one grain of rice on the first square two grains of rice on the second square, three, uh, four grains of rice on the third square, eight grains of rice on the fourth. And just said to the emperor, I'd like you to keep, continue with that pattern and fill the chessboard. That's all I want. And the emperor is at this point in time thinking the pauper's a fool, yeah. right? He, he could have asked for a really big reward and he's asked for probably what's going to be a, you know, a bag of rice. Yeah. And it was only as the emperor started filling out this board – there's 64 squares in a board. He got to the 20th square and he was up to a million grains of rice. Wow. What the pauper asked for would have bankrupted the empire. Mm. That's how compounding works. If you don't believe me, you can do the maths around it. Mm. I did, I, like, so let me do some maths for you in some, a sense that might feel a bit more real though. Okay, let's just say today. If you don't like rice. If you don't like rice. Yeah. Right? If rice isn't your thing. Love rice. Let's, uh, let, let's talk cold hard cash. Mm, I love cash even more. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, let's just say you have $5,000, you know, a reasonably accessible amount of money that you can Which save John towards. John actually probably has in his wallet on a daily basis. Yep. So, it got stolen last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's say you've got $5,000 and you decide to take that money and invest it in a managed fund. And that managed fund, on average, over time, will give you 8% per annum. There'll be ups, there'll be downs, but on average, you're going to get 8% every year. Now, to most people, that's going to mean nothing, right? What's 8%, right? If you do the maths on that, so if you put that $5,000 away, earning 8% per annum on average, in 20 years' time, if you do absolutely nothing, don't add any more money to it, just don't touch it and allow that interest to accrue and compound, that money will be worth 23305 If you leave that same $5,000 for 40 years, it's worth $108,000. In today's dollars? In today's dollars. Yeah, because – and just on that, like when you see projections advertised on TV, they might say, oh, invest $10,000 today – and in 20 years, it will be worth a million dollars. What they're doing, they're using an inflated amount. Is that correct? No. Like, no? <laughs> <laughs> Can Good you enough, well, it's simple maths, you mate. Track. It's simple maths. No, no, right? no. But do you know, like when you do financial project- projections, yes. yeah. you can use future dollars or today's dollars. In my financial planning business, I'll always use today's dollars so it feels more relative. Yeah. So, that's today's dollars. So, the way you would make that look like future dollars is you would incorporate inflation, inflation. into it. Yes. Yeah. Thank right? you. Just in terms of just today's dollars, that's what it would turn yeah. into. So it's a, it's the old. Um, I saw something a few years back where, do you want ten thousand dollars now, or do you want a dollar compounded over twenty years or whatever it may be? And and a lot of people would take the ten k now, right? Yeah. Because the, yeah. So that leads into that leads perfectly into a bias, which is the immediacy bias. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk about that? Let's do that. Yeah, but Let's before we do, just I think I was hard done by just then. And I just want to... <laughs> Only swing, just then? Yeah. <laughs> if you are seeing a financial advisor or anyone yes. and they are doing projections for you, always ask for the projections to be in today's dollars yes. and not have inflation or CPI built into those projections. Yeah, because that does change. That does change. Because what it can look. do is mm. it can say, oh, we're going to grow your $10,000 to a million dollars in 20 years. Yeah. Well, no, we're going to grow the $10,000 to $68,000 mm. in actual real dollars. Mm. Yeah. And then it might end up being, you know, $50,000 more, but it will have inflation, mm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But using that example I just gave you, so $5,000 compounded, at 8% per annum for 40 years gives you around 108000 in today's dollars. Too. Yes. Now, what you can buy for $108,000 in 40 years' time might be different to what you can buy today. Mm. Yes. So that's basically what you're talking about there is the impact of inflation. We don't know really what things are going to cost that's in right. 40 years' time. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit more real to have it in today's dollars. Yeah, perfect. Hey, I know I crap on all the time about getting our foundations in place, but our personal protection plan is something you need to do today. I know many of our listeners have got this set up, but if you're one of them and haven't already, go to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and I'll put you in touch with someone who can guide you through. Generally, there's no cost to have an initial chat. And if you're young, fit and healthy, you need to get this stuff in place today. If you've got a family and you're not covered, hey, what if you freaking died? I'm not messing around. You need to get insured. Do it. Do it now. And anyone that I refer you to will do it the same way that we teach and we talk about here. And that advice provider, wherever you are in Australia, are happy to have a complimentary discussion with you at no cost to see where you're at and see if they can help. So what have you got to lose? Have a chat today. Jump on to sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Before we get into the immediacy bias, I guess, you know, if I was to give your listeners a couple of pieces of advice, it would be spend less than you earn, take advantage of your age, take advantage of compounding, put money away today. The more money you can put away today, even if it's only small amounts, when it compounds over time, it has a really big impact on mm. your wealth. So try to put away 10 or 15% of what you actually earn. But don't just save, invest. Because you're not going to get 8% in the bank. No. You yeah. have to invest to build wealth. Okay, so now you're going to answer my question, why is it important to generate wealth? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. So take advantage of your time frame and actually invest. Now, these are pretty basic you know, examples of what you should be doing in life, but they're hard. Yeah. So let's start with step one. Like Step one being, I need to save $5,000 to start my investment portfolio. And this is going back to the idea of the immediacy bias. And it's the idea that you value something today more than you do in the future. So let's just say I'm saving towards a goal of building up $5,000 in my savings account so I can then go and invest it. However, I'm out shopping. I see a fantastic pair of boots. And you know what? Today, Sounds jo- like Glenn. Oh, nice boots, yeah. Glenn. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah then you. You know it. So, you know what? <laughs> to, today, Jodie's real. Today, Jodie feels things. And today, Jodie knows she's going to rock those boots. You know it. I know it. I mm. want those boots. Future Jodie can just sort it out when she gets there. So, future Jodie's waiting for this $5,000 to invest. Yeah. Well, future, it's future Jodie's problem. And you're getting a new paycheck next week. There's so. an 
Yeah, that's right. And there's an episode of The Simpsons yeah. where Homer's like, nah, future Homer can worry about that. Yeah. 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 So what we're basically talking about with this is self-control. Yeah. Okay. So if you want to I start in none of that. <laughs> if you want to start an investment portfolio, you need to save. You don't need to save a huge amount. I started investing. So I left uni. Um, you know, my first job in my early 20s, I was living out of home. I've been living out of home since I was 17. So I've had lots of bills to pay since a young age. I started investing with $1,000. Okay. So you don't need huge amounts of money. Pick a number, save towards it and invest. But that, you've got to have that self-control to do it. Yeah. And one, a fantastic example, and I'd suggest you all to Google this for no other reason than it is super cute. A famous example of an experiment around immediacy bias and, and self-control is called the marshmallow, marshmallow. experiment. Yeah, love it's it. so cute. I'm going to get the YouTube clip and I'll put it in the show notes of the yeah. podcast. Awesome. <laughs> have a look at it. Because what happens is, right, um, they get a bunch of young kids and they put them in a room and they put this ginormous marshmallow in front of them. And the person running the experiment says, now, I'm going to leave the room and I'll leave you here with this marshmallow. You can have the marshmallow, but if you wait until I come back, I'm going to give you another marshmallow so you can have two. But if you eat it, you can't have the second one. And they leave the room. They film the kids. And, oh, my God, you should see these kids. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they, they're sitting there and they're smelling it and they're caressing this marshmallow. Some of them are, like, hand over their eyes trying desperately not to look at it, trying to distract themselves singing. Other kids just, like, you know, hang it and they're in straight away. <laughs> straight yeah, into Doors it. barely shut and they're into that marshmallow. Mm. But it's that idea of self-control and avoiding being drawn into the emotional decision. I had to learn this the hard way. Mm. And I was self-aware enough to know that there was a problem that my personality would spend anything with legs. If it was in my wallet, it was gone. If it was in my bank account, it was gone. Yep. So, there's a book out there if you like to read. Google it. It's called The Automatic Millionaire uh, by a guy called Charles in America or whatever. Um, I think that's his name. Charles in America. Yeah. His last <laughs> yeah. name's all whatever. Um, <laughs> in America. I've never heard that yeah. before. So, the, the premise is, and that's why we crap on all the time about my cash flow course and spending plan mm-hmm. and having different accounts with different banking institutions. Mm. So on my iPhone here, I've got UpBank that I automatically transfer an amount every week to UpBank from my St. George offset yep. and all that. So I only carry out carry around no more than five hundred dollars over a seven day period. Yeah. Because it just removes that mm. temptation. Yep. So I can't go and have an aneurysm because it, it for me, Jody, and a lot of listeners know this, it dropped the penny dropped for me a couple of years ago. I was shopping up here at DJ's. I went home one day with the twelve hundred dollar Apple Watch. Mm. I woke up that morning not planning on having an Apple Watch. No, yeah. And that was a problem. So <laughs> I had to But did def- you do that last week with a pair of RMs? Yeah, but they were oh, someone wasn't twelve hundred was only six hundred. Yeah, and they were a gift, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone actually bought me a five hundred fifty dollar pair of RM Williams. Wow. Oh, that's cool. Dirty Mike from the podcast. Oh, I was a dirty, dirty Mike. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, so, but within all that, you've got to remove yourself. Mm. Yes. I had to remove my behaviours from my whole money equation. Mm. And watching these kids do it, you can see themselves trying to remove themselves from the marshmallow. Yeah. They're trying so desperately not to think about the marshmallow that's sitting there in front of them. Mm. Um, so it's about self-control. And what's interesting is that the results of the experiment, you know, track these kids later on in life and the kids oh. who could delay satisfaction actually did better in life wow. in terms of health outcomes, wow. wealth outcomes, etc. because they can distinguish between today Jody and tomorrow Jody. Is it too late to change? 
No. You so can teach yourself. And maybe you know, one of the things that you can do, as you said, that you've, you've set up this um, you know, savings system. plan system. Yeah. Right, so find ways to help you overcome that bias. The bias is always going to be there, right? Mm. I'm always going to walk past the shop and go, "Love those boots." But if you put in place um, scaffolding around you to try to limit the number of times you give in to today, Jody. Yeah. Can I go left field from that for a moment? Because I, I talk to clients about values versus needs. So, what are your true values in your life, and are you living to those? Like it might be family, it might be um, your health, etc. So if we're content in our life with our values, do we actually need something right now um, versus being stressed and unhealthy and all those things and using um, a new pair of shoes as a I need that now or, or a new car because that's what's going to make me happy because I've been unhappy. Yeah, look, it could be that. It could, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, right? And and I um in Often when I talk to people about biases, the best way to give an example of, of cognitive biases is to get someone to look at an optical illusion, okay? And you're going to see different things in it. Your brain's going to be tricked, etc. Tr- saying to somebody, I've told you what your biases are, don't let them rule you, is like saying to somebody, don't see the optical illusion, mm. you know? So it's more about, I know I'm going to see the optical illusion. How do I stop myself from acting on it? So I think it's a bit different. I think rather than trying to solve the problem, yeah. which is a real boy thing, by the way, I'm going to solve the problem, acknowledge <laughs> that it's there and I'm going, to f- yeah, I'm going to fail sometimes, but I'm going to try to make better decisions and this is what I'm going to do around mm. me to make those better decisions. And I, one Amy, of the best things you could do is get an advisor. Mm. Make yourself accountable to somebody else. Yeah. Amy says that to me quite a bit. She says, John, I just want you to listen. Don't yeah, try and solve thing. the problem for yeah, me. That's a boy thing. But it's, it's funny, right? Like... This episode, it's titled it's titled The Psychology of Investing, right? And you might be listening and being disappointed and writing a, a one-star review slamming us that we haven't talked one thing about investing. I promise you, if you find a good investment manager, the investing will take care of itself yes. if you sort out that thing in the mirror that you wake up to every day. You're right. And, we, and you know, there's there's evidence around that right in terms of biases and um and for all those one-star reviewers i'm <laughs> i'm more than happy to come back on and we can talk investing 101 but yeah. i think before you start investing you've got to understand the pitfalls who you are well you've got to understand the pitfalls of what if the market's going down what do i do you've got to understand what bad reactions you might have to that because to be an investor okay there's two things that you've got to do firstly you've got to defer consumption You've got to get rid of that immediacy bias. Save the money and then invest it. The next thing you need to do is you actually need to get comfortable with losses. Mm. You invest, you will have losses from time to time. So this gets into one of the biases around loss aversion. Yeah, and there is a there's a couple of questions from the podcast and I'll ask we put it up on Instagram, so I'll I'll get them up. But while I'm getting while I'm getting those questions up, just as a I guess, a money hack or hack in your personal budget. I wrote this down. With your savings, you need to get a system in place that I've, if it's a savings account or an investment account, the reason I'm investing is for no other reason than to live on less than I earn and invest the rest. Yep. If you're saving $500 a month and you want to buy a house or a car or whatever 
And it might be after you've bought the house, right? And you, you're saving $500 a month and because you want a new car or you want a holiday. The challenge to you that are listening right now, carve off $100 a month. Carve off $200 a month and allocate that for future you. Yeah, and then future uh, you's gonna take advantage of compounding. Yeah. And Massive. so, when I had this, you know, come to Jesus moment with my behaviours, I really had to know that everything I do today is for the Glen of tomorrow. Yep. And he's very thankful because he doesn't work much, and he has a lot of money. But I sacrificed when I was twenty-five years old. Yeah. So having said that, back to Instagram, um, Jay was says how to combat the emotions of a downfall in a stock price. Yeah. Okay. So this is loss aversion yes. at work, right? And um, you know, as I said, more than happy to spend time another day going through the ins and outs of actual investing. And we'll do that. But you've got to think about, as I said, the investor's own worst enemy is them. Mm. That's not what's happening in the economy, in the market. You know, it's them. So loss aversion is this idea that we actually, and there's a lot of research around it, that we hate losses twice as much as we like gains. For example, right? If you're walking down the street and you realise you've lost 50 bucks out of your pocket, it's really annoying. Like it drives you nuts. Let's just say you then walk a bit further and you find 50 bucks. The reality is you should be feeling, you know, even Stevens, right? Because your bank balance (laughs) is the same. But you don't. Because you feel, it's a feeling. Yeah. You're still annoyed that you lost the 50 bucks. Yeah. If you found 100 bucks, the euphoria of the $100 will outweigh the loss of the 50. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is that we actually value things that are ours, mm. all right, more than things that we don't own, which is why when you're dealing with money, loss aversion is a really powerful emotion. Um, and can do you, do you think you can overcome that? So the way you can't overcome it, you're always well. Everyone's going to hate losing fifty bucks, yeah. right? But again, it comes down to how can I put things in place around me yeah. to avoid making bad decisions? Okay. And the one thing that you can do is look at your investments less often. Okay. Mm. If I and we've done a study on this, right? If you actually let's just say you invest in the U.S. stock market. And if you look at what the US stock market does every day, 46% of the time you will see losses. Yeah. yeah. That will drive you nuts. Yeah. And you're likely to make the wrong decision at the wrong time. If you only look at it once a year, mm. you'll only see losses about 30% of the time. Yeah. So you're 70% of the time you will have gains and you'll feel great about that. Mm. So it's about over-interacting with your investments. And there's a study, it's a famous study, and you can look at it online called the Dalbar study. And it actually has a look at the experience or the return earned by the market versus the return that's earned by the average investor in the market. And there's actually what's called the behaviour gap. So it's not what we invest in that determines the end result. It's how we interact with that investment that has the biggest influence. And we've done this ourselves looking at managed funds. So we just had a look at uh, the average managed fund in the Morningstar database. So not just ours, but, you know, including every fund that you could possibly pick. And basically, the average return of those funds over the time period that we looked at was 8.7%. 
the actual experience of an investor in those funds was about 5.5%. So that's a big gap. That's mm. huge. And that's because of the way the investor goes, oh, I've just lost some money. I'm going to pull a little bit out. Yeah. Because we hate losses. And what happens is, though, when you pull that money out, you miss the ups. Yeah. yeah. And because of the power of compounding, you're locking in losses, which have compounded you down. Yeah, you get negative You get ret- negative returns yes. and you're not participating in the gains. Mm. So one of the things that you can do to the psychology of dealing with market losses is actually there's a fine balance between over-interacting and interacting enough with your investors investments. You need to understand where you're at, how you're positioned. Am I in something that I actually think is genuinely like, am I investing with a manager that I think is smart? Yeah. And, you know, leave my money with them and give them time to deliver me the returns. Because if you planted a tree tomorrow, you're not going out there in three weeks' time ripping it up to see how deep the roots are. No. Mm. And... Like my investment bond that I pump money into every month and my super that I pump money into every month, I can't tell you the last time I logged in to check how much was in no. there. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and I've, I've always been told this as well. It's investing works. People don't. So yeah. people make the mistakes, don't they? So, mm. and, and, it, and it gives more strength for long-term set and forget, out of sight investing um, opposed to trying to pick the markets, flip – Investments. Yes. And, and don't I'm, day trade. Yeah. yeah. For God's sakes, don't day trade. Yeah. Mm. And I've always said to my clients, like, I outsource the investment management to a team of 92 people in the city who do it every day. I'm not sitting there and picking your damn stocks. No. That's not my job. My yep. job's to, like, keep you accountable mm. yep. to your goals and aspirations. Yep. And if I can go back to Instagram uh, before we wrap up, because we've probably got about 15 minutes, if that, because um, I've got a hard 12.30. Yeah. Um, We'll do two more biases then, voting yes. and confirmation. Yeah, sweet. Um, and this might lead into it actually. Ellie on Instagram, she asks, what type of shares should you buy if you are looking for a reasonably safe investment? You see, she's, Ellie's asking that because of loss aversion. She doesn't want to lose money. Right. So, she's already got a bias. She's got a, she's got a bias she's probably not aware of. Um, none of us want to lose money, right? No, no Let's get right. that straight from the outset. Yeah. The reality is if you're going to invest in the market, you have to get comfortable with the fact that the market goes up and it goes down. Yeah. What you need to do is make sure that the investments that you take, you've engaged system two, you've done some really good research into these professional people I'm going to hand my money over to, all these stocks that I'm going to invest in, uh, good quality, and if I stay the course, hold the line, I should get a good return over time. I've got – because I'm a basically uh, a genius – okay, guys, go with me. I've thought of an analogy. Don't look at me like that, John. He's trying to go with you. He's keep, trying to fight going. his so biases. You've, you've just purchased a solar panel, right? Yeah. With the idea that it's going to charge this battery to power my house while the sun's shining. Every freaking day, there's probably about 12 hours – where that's not producing a return, those panels. Yep. But the power is still in the battery and supplying your house, but you just don't see that the input is going up and down. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you were, and I kind of would use this analogy to older clients who are on their pension, hey, let me do the worrying about the ups and downs. I can just guarantee there's going to be $1,200 a week in your bank account. 
because you've got to let the thing do its thing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So that was a horrendous analogy, but um, yeah, thanks for putting that genius spin on yeah. the podcast. You're welcome, John. So, what are the other two little things? So, so let's talk about hurting behaviour because that's the hype, right? Um, another great shortcut in life is that we we look at past experiences or we look at what other people are doing and what they're doing smart. So, I'm going to do it as well because that's getting them by, it'll get me by. Great example, you're in a building, you know, and you see everybody running for the exit and someone shouts fire, you're going to run. You're not going to wait until you smell the smoke or see the flames. Mm. You know, that's, that, that hurting behaviour is important for a whole bunch of reasons, but it's not when it comes to investing at all. Um, what we find is, so the way we invest here at Morningstar is that, as I said, we're a value investor, we try to buy dollars worth of assets for 50 cents. We find over very long periods of time, the market's pretty efficient. Most things are valued at what they should be valued at. However, that breaks down. Um, And the theory behind that is called the wisdom of crowds, is that a group – the theory of wisdom of crowds is that a group of individuals are better at making a decision than an individual themselves. And that's why the market tends to be reasonably well-priced most of the time. So what's an example of the market's already factored something in? and then a result hit, and then nothing really happened. Yeah, look, Bre- uh, Brexit's probably a good example of that in, in the sense that the market had you know, already priced in that a result wasn't going to occur. Sweet. So then when it doesn't occur, the market didn't really move much. Um, so you know, mm. the, the wisdom of the crowd had worked. Things were fairly priced, right. theoretically. Now, what happens is that the, wi- the crowd's not always wise, right? And what happens when the wisdom of the crowds breaks down is that you lose diversity. So people stop having independent thoughts about where things should be valued and so forth and they all just start to point in the one direction. They just start following each other. Um, And a really good example of that would be uh, the dot-com bubble. So we call it the dot-com bubble now but at the time I was around and it was referred to as the new economy and the old economy. The new economy was this lovely world of the internet that was going to change and revolutionise the way we do everything. Bitcoin 18 months ago, what? Yeah. And the old economy <laughs> were these, you know, silly industrial companies that sell us things and, mm. you know, they're old all school. going to go by the wayside. Anyway, so what happened was is that there was such a frenzy that occurred in the market and that the crowd just started to follow. So what happened was a handful of people started making a lot of money investing in startup tech companies. Other people were looking at the fact, well, they must know something I don't know. So even though these tech companies that were IPOing actually had no revenue, the stock prices started doubling, quadrupling. It made no sense. Mm. Like in hindsight, you go, well, that was stupid. We know that those companies had no revenue. Why was the stock price going up and up and up and up? But the fear of missing out is that people kept jumping on board. And just a question on that, like, the boom that we had with the cryptos 18 months ago, people were buying new coins that were floated, that we'd had, which had no intrinsic value just because Bitcoin's going up. I'm going to get on this one and make a yeah. million dollars. Same yeah. thing's going to happen. The reason why hurting behaviour works is the whole, you know, the fear of missing out. People are like, they've got to know something. I don't know. Off we go. And what happens is that once you then get on board a hot investment, you stop engaging system two. Like system two of your brain would have said, but this company's not earning any money. It doesn't make sense that share price goes up. 
You're engaging system one who's just like, yep, something's going on. And what you then do is you go down the path of confirmation bias. You try to find and only look at things that confirm what you're thinking. Is that similar to anchoring? It's a bit different. It's a bit different. So I might get you to touch on anchoring after confirmation bias. Yeah, Sorry sure. To... Well, do you want to play a game for confirmation bias? Yeah. Let's see if this one works, right? <laughs> oh, look I'm at easy. you too. Look at competitive. This time. <laughs> All right. Okay. I am going to give you a series of numbers that follow a rule. Okay. I want you to work out what my rule is. Okay. You can give me your own sequence of numbers that you think follows the rule, and I'll let you know if it does or it doesn't. I'll already, I know I already failed okay. this one, but go on. Ready? Two, four, six. So you can ask me, a, 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 give me a sequence the, of numbers. The sequence is, it's going up by twos. Uh, well, you, what you need to do is ask me, give me a sequence that you think follows my rule, and I'll tell you if it does or it doesn't. Okay. And then you can guess the rule. Okay. 8, 10, 12. Follows my rule. Going up by twos. That's not my rule. Okay, can I do one? Um, 96, 12, 2. Not my rule. 1, 5, 3. Not my rule. Can we tell you our rules for the listeners? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, my, my so the, rule. I, the idea is that you give me a sequence to try to work out my rule yeah. and I'll tell you if it follows my rule. You yeah. can ask me what my rule is and I'll say yes or no. Okay, so I… Should we start this again? No, 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 no that's no, fine. Because I, I guess my rule was… Hang us out the well, dummies. <laughs> it's firstly numbers that are even numbers yeah. in a sequence, any yeah. number. Then my second rule was it might be there. she's talking about numbers… Under, she's talking about numbers under 20. Yep. So my rule again, my, uh, my, a sequence that follows my rule, two, four, six. So 16, 18, 20. Follows my rule. Adding the first number on, no. That's not my rule. No. Nah. I've used I've exhausted system two. Um, <laughs> two four six, hey. Mm-hmm. The engineers listening will get this. I know, I know. Everyone's thinking, "What's with all the dead air?" <laughs> you have to edit. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Can you shoot us now and put us out of our misery? Yeah. Okay, so the rule the rule is it's just numbers that go up oh. <laughs> in ascending order. But what happens is that people – you overcomplicate it, yeah. right? People look at um, – and what will often happen, if you actually Google this experiment, you'll see people record and it's hilarious, right? Because people – I'll say 246 and they'll go uh, – you know, they'll, they'll use the whole going up by two or mm. doubling the number, etc. But what they do is they keep trying to confirm that they know what the rule is. Yeah. So rather than – and this is the – the trick of not following the herd, okay? Look for why you might be wrong. Mm. You've got a rule in your mind that you think is my rule. You're looking for ways to confirm that you're right. And John could be selling your rule to other people based on his confirmation bias, which Mm. is not even the rule. So to avoid, going back to the question of how do you avoid the hype of the market, try to engage a system too. Don't look for confirming 
why somebody is telling you. You know what? It's good rule of advice. If your Uber driver is telling you to get on board, it's probably time to get out. Yeah. Right? Well, the radio now is um, promoting Brisbane property like it's going out of fashion. Yeah. I mean, you were in Brisbane three years ago. Mm. How is confirmation bias different from anchoring? Okay. So, anchoring is having a starting point that really changes the way you perceive the value of something. And the best example of this that we can all probably relate to is the TV show Deal or No Deal. Okay. If I walked up to you on the street and said, I would like to give you a cheque for $10,000, fairly certain your answer is going to be yes. No strings attached. Here's ten mm-hmm. grand. Off you go. In the game Deal or No Deal, what happens is at the start of the show, they put up $200,000, you know, this is what you can win, flashing lights, you know, everything to try to get you really excited about the idea of $200,000. You get, you know, to your first or second offer mm. and the bank offers you $10,000. A rational person will go, I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm off. However, $200,000 is the anchor point for you. $10,000 looks crap compared to 200000 so you don't take it and you keep playing. That whole show is based on actually benefiting from those biases and the way that you'll behave yeah. in those situations. Is, yeah. is that like the show Who Wants to Be Patronised by a Millionaire? Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess no, but, so. Yeah. Because realistically, no one on that millionaire show, they all walk away with 10 and 20 grand. Like it's yeah. actually rubbish and, and television. The, and the algorithms or odds or call them what you are are getting less every the longer yeah. they stay in the game. And the reality is most normal human beings can't do probabilities that quickly in their head. Mm. But what they're anchored to is that they told me I could win 200000 Yeah, the big prize. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we might end it there yeah. uh, because I guess my key takes that it just confirms to me that you've just got to remove your behaviours, try and identify them. Identify them and put scaffolding around yourself to yeah. try to limit. You're going to have them, right? You're yeah. not going to get rid of them. I can't get rid of them. I'm aware of them, but I still do them sometimes. And, right? and this is kind of the point of this podcast. Like we want to be your encouragement. So while you're listening, and I've said this a lot, John and I, we're not above any of this stuff. We make mistakes all the time, but I want to be the voice of reason or encouragement for you. So instead of blowing out and making a thousand dollar mistake it might be quarantined to a hundred dollar mistake so let's just try and use this weekly money chats to keep you encouraged yeah and and spot on i think it's basically around money this whole podcast but essentially these biases and these behaviors uh can be implemented in any part of our life at any one time can't they that's that's a great thing about it definitely and if i was to give you something i guess you know parting advice, it would be invest to build your wealth. Take advantage of compounding, okay? You don't need a lot of money to start this off. Um, and in fact, you've already got an investment in your super. Yeah. Okay, and, and one of the biases we didn't touch on today is the default bias. So if I was to give you listeners action right now, it would be avoid the default because it's probably not the right option for you. So look at your investment, where are you at with your super because you know yep. you've already mm-hmm. got investments there. Have a look at does the fault make sense for you. Avoid the wrong actions. So avoid interacting with your investments in the wrong way. Invoid, avoid selling when you see losses because you've got loss aversion. Yeah. Avoid following the herd and the crowd. Um, make contributions. Save. For God's sakes, don't day trade. Investing done right is actually boring at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Right? Not, so yeah. – 
if you were to say to me, what did I do yesterday? I'd say, well, was nothing. Mm. But my investments did well. Yeah. Mm. They're doing exactly what they should be doing. As I said, we can come back and, um, you know, t- talk about some of the key principles of investing. But before you start investing, understand how you may make ba- bad decisions is probably the best thing that you can do for building your wealth. And nail the personal cash flow. Yep. Look after your own little 500 to $1,200 paycheck per week or whatever you get paid. Manage that well and start to get those habits in place first so when you are investing for the long term, you're not having to go to that money to withdraw it because you haven't managed your own cash flow yeah. correctly to start with. Yep. Because I know, Jody, that my car rego comes around at the same time every freaking year, which means I should be able to plan for that. Yep. And I believe Christmas happens at the same time every year as well. That's a rumour. So, we should be able to plan for the gifts and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, good. I think it's um, it's been great. And we will have you back. No problem. Thanks thanks, for having me. Thanks to Morningstar for letting you um, insult us. (laughs) (laughs) Insult you. Insult me. Yeah. Beautiful offices, too. (laughs) Yeah, love it here. Yeah. Mm. All right. Bye bye. 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 If you are after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. In fact, it's a general advice podcast. But if you do want somebody to talk to, jump onto sortyourmoneyout.com and click on Get Help and I'll be able to put you in touch with an advisor or a mortgage broker who can actually sit down with you or have a Skype or a Zoom meeting and really work out what you need based on your own personal circumstances. My Millennial Money supports A21. A21 is a non-profit organisation that exists to abolish slavery everywhere. These guys rescue real people from human trafficking across the world. If you want to learn more about how you can contribute to the fight against human trafficking, check out a21.org forward slash au. Remember, we hang out on Insta at My Millennial Money. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Getter Project Limited, trading as Sort Your Money Out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. I'm going to explain this, um, I guess, by, by way of how I came across understanding behaviours and, and the way that influences the way we invest. So I have an economics and a finance degree. Um, Boring. You, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah. Wait, I'm uh, living the dream here, mate. Do you I'm ever use dream. it? <laughs> Theoretically. Okay, I'm going to be on my best behaviour and not interrupt. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that. Glenn said to me on the way in, geez, I'm grumpy today. I'm in the worst mood. Awesome. I, I, so, I'm serious. Don't I, be intimidated by I'm that. in the worst mood today. Yeah, it's horrendous. We'll have Podcast to put him in his place, him right? Yeah, true. Okay, let's start that question again. <laughs> We're not I, editing that out. I might put it at the end. No, because we've got to be serious. And I think I'm in a bad mood because I read some bad comments on Instagram today as well. After John, John calls, we talked this morning (laughs) and we did an episode earlier and he wasn't there. 
and he's ripping into me about. I didn't rip. Well, what did you want me to listen to it for? Just for shits and giggles? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you weren't on the episode, and it's your podcast. <laughs> It was constructive feedback, yeah. Jody. I thought oh, I brought. Const- you should take that. And I'm in the head. worst mood, and yeah. these guys having a go at me. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> calm down. And then I open Instagram, and freaking all these people having a go at me for doing a crap podcast. I just left three kids, and now I've got a fourth in, yeah. the, in the room. Right. <laughs> all right, we're going to go from the top. So, so, Jody, what is behavioral finance? Sure. 